Well, we appreciate this chance to be here. We, um, this is an unusual, uh, what you might call, like they, they, we used to have furloughs, but now we have home assignments and things like that. So, But uh, we've usually come back for longer periods of time. And uh, we've uh, based in Minneapolis because that's where my parents lived. And they've both gone to be with the Lord since our last time we came back. And so... Uh, we also have a son who's in uh, a uh, local Christian school, and uh, we have to think about that. And so basically we've had three months, and um, when I contacted Paul, uh, and, that, and that, that, that is, a, I don't know, God many times just brings so many different connections into our lives as Christians, and we've seen that many times in Liberia. And uh, I looked on the online to, to get a contact for the church. I knew that Pastor Caleb was leaving. And uh, this guy named Paul Van Loo, I said, boy, he, that name sure sounds familiar, although like, like he said, uh, who, is, who is that person now? It doesn't quite look the same. <laughs> but uh, it is kind of interesting. It's, it is the way it is with, when you're in missions, is that when you're in different countries, you can be in the same mission and never run into each other for for years, and so we've even though this is uh, this is uh, where I guess um, Susan's family is from this area, we never met them here, and uh, it would be interesting. Though, of course, maybe he's forgotten. I'm hoping so that uh, what he would have thought of me, somebody would have said to him back in our Pillsbury days, uh, "What do you think is going to Mark Shepherd's going to do?" <laughs> He might have uh, said, well, yeah, who knows what he's going to do, but I'm just hoping he doesn't get put in jail somewhere. But. <laughs> so it's so good to see Paul and Susan here. And, uh, and it's kind of my, my message tonight is kind of on, that, on the subject that we're both at a time in life wondering what, uh, what we're going to do. But before I get into that, I'd like to just uh, remind you to pray for our... our um, uh, the prayer requests that we had in the video, we are really working now to establish the Jake Memorial Baptist College, which was named after a, a volunteer missionary that had died in the Civil War trying to uh, protect some of our, uh, our people who were of the wrong tribe. And uh, you saw some of the pictures there. And uh, as everything that goes on, it's, everything is expensive. And so we've gotten some gifts to, for the dormitory. We also need support for the school and uh, direction uh, and you know, that God would uh, provide teachers for us. Uh, we do have a number of volunteers, basically volunteer pastors. We give them basically just enough so that they have uh, money to get to, get to uh, school and, and back. So... Um, you know, it's also interesting that he chose, uh, Paul chose, uh, Lord send us anywhere, because again, that uh, if you saw the video, we put that in our, in our uh, wedding ceremony and uh, never realized really that God would send us to Liberia. But <laughs> so we just are very thankful. Oh, and uh, what an interesting thing too, this morning we were glad to hear the, of the ministry of Tim Avila in the Philippines, and it reminded me my brother's brother and sister-in-law were missionaries to the Philippines for many years, and uh, I'm not exactly sure what he did the whole time, but his last thing that he did was a ministry to the street kids. And so I sent him a message, and I said, do you know Tim? And he says, oh, yeah, yeah, I know Tim. I know him very well. So, 
So it's just, uh, like I said, God many times is the God of, of, uh, of connections. We're also very thankful to have here today one of our um, old missionary kids from Liberia. His name is Mark Horn. We did not work at all with uh, him or his parents. We came a little bit after that. So, But uh, he drove up. He lives down the coast a little ways and uh, drove up for this and with a couple of his friends. So, But I'd like to have you turn. Uh, we're going to be looking in uh, Philippians, but... Um, mostly, uh, I'm going to start out with uh, with 1 Corinthians chapter 9. We might call this message, Running for the Prize. And don't have a lot of time left here. But um, Paul many times uses different things to describe what the Christian life is like. He talks about it as a walk, for example, in Ephesians chapter 5. And uh, a race is what it's going. What he talks about here, and also in Philippians. But in First uh, Corinthians chapter nine, verse twenty-four, he says, "Know you not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize? <clears throat> so run that you may obtain." <clears throat> and every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. I therefore so run, not as uncertainly. So fight I, not as one that beateth the air, but I keep my under my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. And that last word there, castaway, can also be translated disqualified. So all of us in the Christian life, we are in a race. Obviously, if you're going to be in a race, you have to start running. But you have to run according to the rules. Now, a little bit less than a year from now, there's going to be another Olympics. And, of course, in the Olympics, there are many short races, but there's also a long race called the marathon, just over 26 uh, miles. And in the one of the famous ones, I I've, I've, I've know that there have been others, but... Back when the Olympics was fairly young, in 1904, there was a marathon, I think it's up somewhere in the New York area, where a man named Fred Lors started the marathon, and he was a fairly well-known runner at the time. And he ran for the first nine miles. And then after that, he became, I don't know if he was sick or just got tired, but the, his trainer who was following him in the car, he went and got into the car, and they drove for the next 11 miles. Then he got out and ran for the last five miles and was declared the winner at three hours and 13 minutes. Well, that is until they started checking the statistics. Obviously, this was before cameras and things like that, but they had a midway checkpoint, and for somehow, he had, even though he had won, he had never passed the checkpoint. And he finally admitted, well, yes, I rode most of the way in a car. And, uh, but I was just joking. Well, they were not, uh, they were not amused. And, and, of course, uh, declared that he was not the winner and then banned him from racing for a number of years until he finally convinced them that he would never do it again. And so we have to ask ourselves, both, of, both uh, those who are new at running the Christian race and those of us who have been running the Christian race longer, are we running the race correctly? 
And it's a, it's a sad thing, and I, anybody, anyone who's been in ministry, maybe even for a short time, but especially for a long time, as I go, if I could go through and give you the names of missionaries and pastors and others who have been running the race, you know, even at, out in Liberia serving God as missionaries, but then were disqualified by something that they did, but, you know, leaving their wives or, you know, who knows what else, all kinds of different things happen that, and many times you look at this person and you say, well, yeah, he's a serious person, but for whatever reason, he was not willing to run according to the rules. But we need to, if we are going to run according to the rules, let's turn to Philippians chapter 3, and we'll see what more Paul has to say about this. Of course, we don't have time to go through and put this in complete proper context, but in chapter 3, Paul begins by talking about true and false righteousness. And that we need to, in verse 2, beware of false teachers. He says, beware of dogs, beware of evil workers, beware of the concision or the false circumcision. For we are the circumcision which worship God in the spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. And when we are in the Christian race, we have to beware of pride because if God's blessed us at all with, with abilities, you know, either to, to speak or to, to do whatever, we can easily have pride. And, and we're not going to take the time to read through all of these verses, but in 4 through 7, he's talking about that we must not rely on our past accomplishments. And Paul there talks about all of these things that he has done in the past. And instead to replace the pride with complete humility and submission to Christ. In verse 7, he says, But what things I will gain to me, these I counted loss for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ. So we replace pride with complete humility and submission to Christ. He also says we need to always remember how we were saved. In verse uh, 9, And be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. Of course, that reminds us of, of Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, that that we are saved by grace through faith, and that not of ourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And our, our salvation is of God, our Christian life and Christian walk has to be of God, and without that, we have no guarantee that even we would one day go to heaven when we died. And since our, we are saved, our, our priorities must be different. To know Christ and strive to be like him must be our most important goal. And this is what Paul talks about in Romans chapter 8, 29. It says, For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Let's go back to Philippians chapter 3 and verse 10. That we, first of all, he says we must know Christ personally or intimately. 
He says that I may know him, that I may know him. Now, English is a funny language because it probably has more words, there are more words in English than any other language. I mean, if you've ever, you know, seen the unabridged dictionaries that are this thick, it's hard to believe that there are so many English words. But sometimes English is lacking because, like, the word for know can mean anything from just know a fact to know someone very, very, uh, very well. Uh, we learned that, learned that uh, when we lived in the Ivory Coast, the French language has two basic words for know. One of them is where you know a fact, je sais. And then there are, there's another word that means you know something intimately, more, more, more uh, completely, you say je connais. And that's uh, almost similar to the word that is used in the Greek here, the gnosko. We, need, we must know Christ intimately. It's very easy in many ways to get to know a lot about, about Christ, to study the Bible, to read things, to see videos about the life of Christ. All those things we can know, and that's good. But we need to know him personally, to know him personally. And obviously, that begins with salvation, but then it continues as we live and, 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 and walk and run the race for him. Second thing, we are to know the power of his resurrection. The power of his resurrection, again, in verse 10. What is that talking about? Well, in the Old Testament, when it talks about God's power, the biggest example of God's power is the God that brought you out of the land of Egypt. At that time, the, Egypt was the superpower. And there was no way that they were going to walk out of Egypt on their own, but with God's power and God's provision, he was able to do that for them. But in the New Testament, when it talks about the power of God, it talks about the resurrection. And it doesn't give us a lot of details, but just here and there, there are just hints of, you know, first of all, that as Paul reminds us in Ephesians chapter 6, we are in a spiritual battle. You know, he uses the terms principalities and powers and rulers of the darkness and you know, wickedness of high places and things like that. Things that we can't see with our eyes. And uh, it's kind of, it's interesting because, you know, the devil, like in the United States, he wants people to believe there is no devil. In Liberia, then we see it the opposite, where everyone is so worried about the spirits and what they might do to them. And someone may, you know, give a, a, a curse on them and then they'll die or their family will, their business will fail or something like that. And so somehow, when after Christ died and was put in the grave, I imagine there was a, a spiritual battle, a battle in the heavenlies maybe, where he was to be kept in that grave. Because as Paul said in Ephesians, in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, without the resurrection, we have no hope. And so, but... He raised him from the dead. Despite anything and everything that the devil wanted to do, God's power raised him from the dead. And this is actually Paul's prayer that we would also, that we would understand this, that this is the power that is available. It's not just to know about the power of his resurrection, but in, first, in Ephesians chapter 1, his prayer for the Ephesians, one of his prayers, we find it in verse 18, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us. 
No, we can't live the Christian life. We can't run the race on our own. But with God's power, what power is that? The power towards us who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. And so knowing the power of his resurrection, that that is not just something that happened in the past, but it's available to us today to serve him, to do what is right, and not, not to be disqualified in the race. To know the fellowship of his sufferings. And what exactly that means. We don't, we don't exa- Again, it doesn't go into a lot of details there, but Colossians 1.24 says that Paul rejoices in his sufferings. And because his sufferings, he says, fills up in the flesh what is lacking in the afflictions of Christ for the sake of his body, which is the church. And not only that, the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the day, or safely arrive at the resurrection of the dead. We ran the race, we're coming to the end, and now... It's time for us, after we are buried and die and are buried, that we will be raised again to new life. And my final text here that we want to focus on, especially first, is it begins in verse 12. And basically, Paul, what he is saying here, despite all he had done and sacrificed, he knew he had more work to do. Not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after if that I may apprehend that for which I also am apprehended in Christ Jesus. He says, I've got more work to do. By this time, when he wrote the book of Philippians, he probably had been in ministry for you know, roughly 30 years. And he was saying, I'm not done yet. I'm not done yet until God tells me I'm done. John Piper has a message that he that is titled, Do Not Waste Your Retirement. And in it, he, he says this, the very important thing, the Christian life is not moving towards night. There are, it is moving towards noon. There are no sunset years. There's only 11 to noon, which means that you don't have to scramble to bring heaven into this world, which is the entire mindset of the world that's spending billions of dollars to get you to buy the dream or prepare to buy the dream. Get everything you can, because who knows how long you're going to last. But we as Christians, even if physically we might say we are in, someone may be in his sunset years. You know, I used to think I knew what old meant, but I don't know what that means anymore. So. You know, I joke with my wife, I'm not going to admit I'm middle-aged until I'm 50, but uh, anyways, that's kind, of, that's kind of gone by, by the way here, so... So what is Paul's plan? First of all, he wants to keep working, to keep running. He says, I follow after, I continue running that I may apprehend, I may have the goal for that which I also am apprehended in Christ. I want to lay hold on that which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. I'm going to keep running, keep working. He says, I'm not going to be proud and think that I can just, as we say in Liberia, just sit down. You want to, let's go sit down now. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended. I do not count myself to be done with God's work. 
But this one thing I do, one translation here says, I'm single-minded. First of all, forgetting those things which are behind. You know, the, there's two different ways that we can have problems remembering the past. The first one, as Paul talks about here, if you thought about all I've accomplished for God, all I've done to, for him, I don't need to do anything for him anymore. Let me just go relax somewhere. And we should never do that. But it can also go the other way. Satan wants to maybe have you remember what wrong thing you did sometime in the past and say, God's got no use for you. No, Paul says, let's forget the things that are behind. Back in verse 8, he basically called his, Paul called his past like garbage. We cannot rely on our past accomplishment or be stopped by past sins. And instead, he says, reaching forward to those things which are, are ahead, he says, I keep running to the goal. In verse 14, I press towards the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. He's working to receive the most important prize, which is he calls the heavenly calling of God. This is not like the Olympians of that day or even of today. And maybe you've read some of the stories that I have of the person who has been training their basically their whole life and finally they stand on that on that uh, reward stand for the olympics and they get the gold medal around their neck and it's so they're so happy they feel like they're so fulfilled but then at the end of the day they realize is this really it you know here i am 20 some 30 some years old is this everything there is in life it can't satisfy. Accomplishing things in the world cannot satisfy us. And so we've got to do what God wants us to do until the time that God calls us home. We must not look at things of our life around us as being any, any way that can satisfy us. So how do we do this? First of all, by keeping our eyes on Jesus in Hebrews chapter 11, it gives a number of different faith, people of faith from Abraham, and Moses, and many others who kept their eyes on the future. But Moses, it says that he was willing to suffer affliction with the people of God. He saw that working for the Messiah was more important than to have all of the, the gold and, and benefits of Egypt. And... How do, and, and they look towards the goal. We have a more clear goal, I think, even than them. We have Christ. In, uh, it says that in verse, uh, uh, Hebrews 12, 2, we must look unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down on the right hand of the throne, or throne of God. Our standard must be Jesus Christ, and there are so many other things. And one of the problems we see in Liberia is the, the prosperity gospel where they tell people if you give enough, if you do enough good works or whatever, then you're going to get your visa to go to America or you're going to become rich. And if you don't get that, then you're not giving enough. You're not praying enough. It's very sad to see that among the, 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 the Liberians who are so poor. Is trying to trying to to accomplish 
what they think is the best thing, and it's not. Because without faith, back again in Hebrews 11, without faith it is impossible to please God, for he who comes to God must believe that he is, that he exists, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So keeping our eyes on Jesus, and, and lastly, we must trust in God's provisions. God has given to us as believers three different provisions so that we can do the work that God has for us. And we can live the Christian life. We can run the race. He's given to us his word. He's given to us the Holy Spirit and the church where we can encourage one another. Back in Philippians chapter 2 and verse 12, chapter 2 verse 12 would be one of the most scary verses in the Bible if it didn't, wasn't for verse 13. Verse 12, wherefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Obviously not work, work at our salvation. We can't get saved through our work, but work it out. We are saved and now we have work to do for God. But that fear and trembling is a, is a difficult thing to see there. And if it was up to us, what would we do? Well, he goes on in verse 13. For it is God who worketh in you both to will, he changes our desires, both to will and to do, and then he makes it possible for us to do of his good pleasure. You know, this is a, tonight, obviously, this is a message mostly for believers to encourage all of us to continue running the race and doing what is right. But if you are not a believer tonight, if you then you are not even in the race. And I'm sure that if you would like to know what it means to be a Christian, to truly trust Christ as your Lord and Savior, pastor is here and there are other deacons around, uh, you know, to they will talk to you about that. But if you are a believer, then you need to serve God for as much as you can, for as long as you can, and then serve him some more. One of the blessings that we had when we first started in, uh, in missions was there was a number of, uh, I use, of course, you're not supposed to say this anymore, but I don't even know, again, I don't know what this means. We would used to say old ladies, but anyway, I don't know what an old, I don't know what an old person is anymore, but who would pray for us. One of them was a retired single missionary from Liberia. And when she heard that we were going to Liberia as missionaries, she was so happy and would pray for us regularly. And then, we're, then there were some others at a church, one of our supporting churches that we were at, that supported us from the beginning. And we, through the years, would go back and visit them and visit them. And as they grew older, they weren't able to do much physically, but they prayed for us. One of them, we... She was in her 90s. We went to visit her. She had moved uh, in with her, her uh, daughter in the Minneapolis area. And her, she, her daughter is 70 taking care of her because she was the young one now and the mother is 90. And she showed us her room where she sat with a file cabinet next to her and all the missionaries that she would pray for. And as Nancy said at the beginning that, you know, God... Has, has, has allowed us and, and empowered us to do things that we never thought that we could do. And we know that it is through the prayers of God's people. And so, obviously, we all should pray, 
But uh, keep that in mind. If there ever comes a point in your life where you can't do much for God, you can still pray. And so let's run the race so that we can come to the finish line and not be disqualified. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your word. And thank you that you have given to us your word, your Holy Spirit, and the church to make it possible not only for us to do the things, but even to desire to do the things that you want us to do. Pray that you would bless this church, bless Faith Baptist in the coming days. We don't know what's going to happen with the world around us as everything seems to be falling apart. But Lord, you're in control and uh, you, you know what's, what we are supposed to do and pray that we would be faithful in Jesus' name. Amen.